Don't worry, listeners. No need to adjust your dial. This is Landline Radio. Welcome to the end of the dial at the end of the world. I'm the host, and we bring you stories too chilling and strange to be true. Right from the heart of towns where the lines between this world and the next connect. Stories from people just like you. For those long, dark, lonely nights driving down roads that never seem to end. We'll be here. And don't worry if you can't find us. We'll find you. Leyline Radio is from Dreamer Productions and can be found monthly exclusively starting in October on their Patreon feed. Follow the link in the show notes below to hear and enjoy. Welcome back, serial killers, to another deep dive into the files of Saturday Morning Confidential. After the rousing success that was our Halloween episode last year, I knew there was but one pair that I had to bring back to discuss Scream. So for another wonderful ovation, I have brought back Stephen and Stephen from Lifetime of Happiness podcast. Guys, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for having us. Yes, thank you. I When I was kind of planning out the rest of this year and I was like, oh, I'm doing two months of spookiness. This is my only non-vampire thing this year that I was just like, I have to get screaming this year because to me, now that I've seen it, it is just as important in so many ways as Halloween is to kind of now my 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 love and understanding of horror and so many people that I love, love this movie. And we talked about it a little bit last time. So I was like, oh, I got to get them back. So why don't you all reintroduce yourselves for anybody who might have missed our first episode? Sure. I am Stephen Martin Bennett. And I'm Steve Bennett Martin. And we are from A Lifetime of Happiness. And we do our podcast where we share, you know, movies, TV shows, and other bits of pop culture that make us happy, hoping to put a smile on your face along the way. And because we're such horror fans, we usually try to do at least one horror movie a month. I love that. Yeah. And uh, I would say that we're very excited to be here because Scream is something that we've not only covered before on the podcast, but one of our, like we both share it as a top five favorite movie of all time. Oh yeah. So why don't you both just give us a little uh, kind of view into your earliest memory of seeing Scream. (laughs) So I went to see it opening weekend. Okay. Um, I was in high school and I had remembered that um, I had seen a clip for it when Nev Campbell was on the Rosie O'Donnell show promoting it. And they showed the clip where it was the first time she had gotten a call from the killer in her house. And, um, you know, they have that thing where she doesn't believe it is who it is. And they're like... Um, she goes, well, where are you? I'm on your front porch. And she walks outside and goes, where are you? And the voice says, right here. And then the clip stopped right there. And I remember watching it and myself and the whole Rosie audience, we all went, <gasps> and Rosie's like, well, what happens next? And Nev says, I can't tell you that. And it was like, you know, we had been in a slasher drought at that mm-hmm. point. Um, in the 90s, because, you know, we had all the great, cheesy, sometimes campy, sometimes just wonderful slashers from the 80s. 
but this was the first one that was coming back and it was my I mean, my first glimpse of it i was like this is scary and like i'll get into um later about my experience with the couple that was sitting in front of me while they were watching it but um they um didn't make it out of the drew barrymore scene <laughs> but um i like as soon as i saw that clip i started telling my friends i was like we have to go see this <laughs> and we used to see horror movies um or movies in general on a regular basis and but we were from a small town of 2000 people and so new movies were not really a thing in our town <laughs> you would get movies that were like a month old Okay. And so we would have to drive an hour to see a new movie. And it took some convincing to get them to see this because it's not like we had YouTube where I could pull up the trailer and mm -hmm. just show it to them. Mm -hmm. It had to be a thing of either word of mouth or they had to see the trailer on their own on TV. So it was a lot more convincing, but everyone agreed it was worth it in the end. What about you, babe? You were... You probably didn't see it when I saw it. Uh, no, I did not. And this will show our age difference, but I was in fourth or fifth grade when I first saw the movie. And I saw it at a sleepover. My friend rented it for Blockbuster, also putting us back very much into the time. <laughs> uh, blockbuster. I miss Blockbuster. I miss blockbuster. Cool. Just movie movie stories in general. Oh, yeah. I miss that kind of culture. Yeah. Yeah. And I just remember like being at a sleepover, and it was one of the first like horror movies that I watched when I was like old enough to like understand. Like I remember watching Halloween even when I was younger and kind of following along, but like this was just something unlike anything I had ever seen before. And I think that's the experience for a lot of people back then is they didn't make car movies like this. They didn't make like meta movies like this that are so aware of themselves and calling out genres and tropes. And while also being, you know, especially being in fourth grade, like scary is, you know, it was just like, I, remember afterwards i was like i need to get it on vhs and then i got it on <laughs> D, uh on what was dvd and then blu-ray and mm -hmm. yeah, yeah i've owned so many copies of this yeah vhs dvd and blu-ray and i think it's interesting my brother's generation the horror movie that defined his generation was the first nightmare on elm street because mm -hmm. he's um eight years older than i am mm -hmm. and then my generation it was the first scream both and by I Craven. For both, but exactly both west craven <laughs> I love that so much. Yeah, I I mean, I've just watched it for the first time. And so it's been interesting to kind of start taking in horror and then see kind of some of these backbone ones to then see this. Because if there's something I love more than anything, it is camp at the end of the day, which is what I'm loving so much about horror. And this is such meta aware camp that like, I wasn't quite aware of that going into this just because a lot of the people who I know who love this don't necessarily like the camp aspects of things. Mm -hmm. And so seeing this and it took me about 15 minutes to go, uh, like going through that new Campbell scene of her answering the phone the first time. And I was like, okay, I'm locked and loaded. I'm here. This is, this is great. Cause it's funny. Gore doesn't really bother me. And I kind of loved that. Uh, they launched in with the gore in that very first scene with Drew Barrymore giving in that blonde bob giving her damnedest <laughs> with the burning jiffy pop uh it's, <laughs> it's uh, like at no point I like so many references now oh <laughs> and it, the great thing about all of that is we hadn't seen anything like the drew barrymore scene in maybe a, a very long time if maybe mm -hmm. ever and that defined the opening kill that would be in horror movies 
for the next two decades. Oh, yeah. I mean, just doing some reading, it, this re-legitimized the genre of the slasher film, like because it had gone from the like peak movies of the 70s and 80s to the straight-to-video versions of those, and then their knockoffs and their knockoffs. And also, having established actors in all of the roles, plus some really fun cameos, like the Linda Blair cameo as one of the... the but even like... He's still pretty much uncredited, depending on where you look at Henry Winkler as the principal. Like, there's so much to this movie that, again, was kind of smart because it drew people in, even if they weren't necessarily going to see a movie in this genre. They wanted to see the actors that were in it, which is so fun to see them all now, 30 years later, what, you know, kind of what is happening with their career and coming off the this won't come out for a couple months but coming off the heels of them starting the newest scream filming and neve campbell walking away yeah uh which you know again that is a different conversation but also at the same time can you have scream without sydney prescott like you know it's it's one of those moments that it, this is all just kind of it's such an interesting time i think so the rumor that i've been hearing on twitter was that it was only going to be a minor supporting cameo appearance by her mm -hmm. but it was going to set up seven and that um a seven they, already been greenlit yeah i mean they're well yeah seven like they've already been greenlit for the mm -hmm. next for this one and the next one and there's also some rumblings that at this point if, if, i mean it's gonna everyone's gonna look silly but it doesn't happen but everyone's saying that you know they did come to terms and they're using it as the biggest meta surprise for everyone when she does show up uh-huh i mean it would make a time i mean this just happened like same world but different world with kimchi and trixie mattel fighting on twitter for two weeks and like their famous friends to then i was like friends it's got to be a makeup launch and everybody's like no it's falling apart and then they literally announced the makeup launch and i went that would be honestly any conflict at this point would be the best bait and switch we could have. Like, so honestly, her showing up or having that uh, ghost face mask ripped off and it's Sydney, you know, it's just any sort of thing that just to have her pop up would be so lovely. Also, because like, I have always loved Neve Campbell because she kind of gets the assignment in so many ways when she shows up, mm -hmm. uh, even when she cameoed in like reefer madness uh, at the behest of her brother. <laughs> like, so, funny enough, that's the episode we just launched today on our podcast because we're doing August is summer camp. We're doing all camp movies this month. Yes. Okay. Well, everyone, uh, you got to go over and listen to that episode because that is how you make a musical, a movie. Yes. Like it. It one, it also improves on the musical. I've seen the musical now twice professionally and the, the intermission act one uh, ending does not work nearly as well as just continuing through and amping up into act two and having that being able to go back and forth between the idea of the, the black and white film into the color version with that fucking ending was just, it is chef's kiss and should be a feather in hbo's cap in many ways the same way gypsy with bet midler should be uh but is not slight correction it's showtime showtime so yeah, but i mean <laughs> we yeah. just watched it's the only reason yeah I so you would know but you know same to, like, like this needs to find its own resurgence mm -hmm. uh, the way that if you've never seen another camp horror movie all about evil by peaches christ 
It is on my list. It's like one of the next be on my list because I've peaches has just like, uh, guested on like five podcasts I've been listening to. And with my love of horror and I've just, I'm just recording an Elvira episode right now, like to, to launch uh, right after this one. And so it's all those things that like peaches fits into that. Like what came after Elvira in such a way that I just, it is, it is on that list. Cause I adore peaches and all of her work. And oh. peaches is guesting on our podcast. <gasps> that is incredible i can't wait to hear it i cannot yeah. wait to hear it oh yeah, that it, is amazing uh, that so is you were so talking good. a minute ago about people seeing the movie mm-hmm. or actors that were in it um with a small nod yeah this began the henry winkler renaissance yep. which led to um arrested development yeah. and things mm-hmm. but people saw this movie for drew barrymore mm-hmm. because she was pegged as the lead and she's in 10 minutes of the movie. Yeah, but that 10 minutes, though, still is just... It's fun. so good. I, I have a friend at high school who Drew was her favorite actress. Yeah. And she went to see it, and she made her boyfriend leave. Um, Like, I think they, they didn't even make it halfway through because she was fuming so much, and she was, like, audibly, like, just pissed. And the people around her were like just go i don't want to hear you talk and so she finally grabbed her boyfriend and said we're leaving and like so funny but i mean her performance one thing that i loved in do like the commentary i remember Mm -hmm. on dvd wes craven talked about how he got her in the mood for the scene do you remember babe i do but tell yes um like the morning of like shooting those scenes where she was like having her breakdown and crying uh she went and told him about like this newspaper article she read about a dog being burnt by its owner and how upset that made her and so during the scene like right before they could hit record he kept on saying drew i'm lighting the lighter just to get and she would immediately just burst into tears and like start crying But she also just has that best because she naturally has just that very downward pitch sound to her voice with that slight lisp. And it's she's very playful and fun. You cannot accuse Drew Barrymore of not being fun. Like she is a good time girl. Her her talk show is absolutely bonkers. But I enjoy I just enjoy her so much Mm -hmm. that in this, you know, also you don't get the, there's something about this that's so great is that they understood the quippiness that was coming in contemporary media. So it felt very much like clueless. It felt very much like Buffy that would come after this, that, you know, it's that quippiness that, you know, teens didn't necessarily have at the time, but we were getting used to them speaking like in film and it made it so, I guess, it was those palate cleansers. This movie's so good at getting you so stressed out and then really wiping that palate clean. So you're just like, oh, we're having so much fun. And then the next time they scare the shit out of you, it is even more stressful. Uh, the one thing, I, and I know that it was also on purpose, you just like, I see Skeet Aldrich from the, the, the beginning and he's so JD and Heather's. He's so just that Patrick Bateman, just the, 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 the dangerous, handsome brunette guy that I was just like, he's probably going to be the killer from those first moments. But I was like, I'm kind of not mad at it. Cause I just can't wait to see him unravel. And oh boy, I, I think kind of launching into the things I love about this is 
when we get to the end where they're just like, oh, Sydney, you want to know the exposition? You want to know why? You want to know why? The reasoning? And just the unhingedness of Skeet and Matthew Lillard. Like, Matthew, this is also a Matthew Lillard stand podcast. Like, I love him. He's so good. He is not nearly appreciated enough for things yeah. outside of Shaggy that he's done. Right. But I think kind of launching in, those were some of my favorite things of they start in a way where you can see what's coming, coming, because that's what they're trying to do. And they start off giving you these flat characters and then slowly without you realizing it are giving them three dimensions and they're giving them depth as the story develops which is something as just a viewer and a storyteller i really appreciate about this movie so whenever you go back and watch it again uh-huh. um, i want the the scene where they are sitting on the wall at school and they're talking about casey's death the night before and they're talking about how they were all interviewed by the police. And it, did they ask you if you like hunting? Cause it takes a real man. And then where Matthew Lillard says, no, I didn't kill her. And you'll watch Skeet gives him a look that is very pointed. Like you would almost think his eyebrows were going to be raised, but he's staring daggers at Matthew mm-hmm. Lillard. And he goes, nobody said you did buddy. Where the undertone is, dumbass shut up yeah and it wasn't until watching it back that you're like oh my god they gave us that clue Mm -hmm. right there but unless you're looking for it it's it's just gonna look like he's kind of brooding but yeah i mean they were setting him up the entire time coming between like him sneaking in her window Mm -hmm. and then that scene i know that like it was only a after she accused him and he got, you know, she got the call from, you know, it wasn't from jail. We know it was Matthew Lillard's char- character, like do doing it. Right. The fa- after that, I was like, Oh, it's probably not him. And then when they had sex, like at the time, like you couldn't have sex in a horror movie. Right. Survive. And so I was like, well, he's definitely not. It. So like they were, you know, doing everything along the way to convince you while he's the obvious suspect that he's also not the guy because mm-hmm. it broke every trope that existed really. Well, up until and the they killed him on screen right in front of us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was all right there. But yeah, that spiral into madness at the end, like you were talking about, being oh. like that, that is just watching them, like especially like stabbing each other. Like I had never seen uh-huh. anything like that, like so graphic. That wasn't like that. That was that aware of what they were doing, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, Stu on the phone and just saying like, "My mom Mom's and dad gonna are going to be, be so mad, mad at me." Yeah, it just was so funny and wild and scary like all at once and i love the whole line of you know don't blame the movies sid movies don't mm-hmm. make murders create they make them more creative yes and i love that whole thing because in all the movies it's about the movies mm-hmm. like so you haven't seen any of the others, right? I haven't, but they are now, they've all been put on a hard drive so that I can watch all of them uh, okay. because I, I need to see all of them now. Because the motivation and the TV show. is all, like the movies become part of the motivation mm-hmm. in every single one of them. Yeah. Well, and in the third one, they're making a movie about the fir- the story of the first movie, correct? Yes. They're, they're on, no, they're on um, Stab 3 
at yeah, that point. Return to Woodsboro. Return okay. to Woodsboro. Yeah. I love that. Now, what's interesting is I went to grad school in Gainesville, and this movie is inspired, I will say, which on my other true crime podcast, we have covered uh, Gainesville Ripper because it did inspire Scream, the unauthorized musical at Rockland uh, stage in LA. Uh, and so it was interesting because I was expecting more kind of connections with Gainesville and there is nothing about Westboro that is even common to um because what's funny I spent the whole time going well why is everybody's house so alienated and I was like oh it's it's literal commentary like it is it is all part of the joke like and that's I think it was one of those I literally sat there and was like just stop thinking about it and enjoy the film the whole point is for you to not think about this like Growing up in the mountains of West Virginia, seeing how far Stu's Stu's house was from everybody else, I was like, I get that. Yeah. How far my house was from everybody else. (laughs) Now living here in Sarasota, I'm like, oh, you mean that I can throw something at my neighbor's house? Oh, well, in like Gainesville, where all of the students lived, you're literally like apartments in old buildings that are all connected to each other. So that's why with that one, it's crazy that no one knew that he was doing elaborate murder things. Uh, But this, again, from the beginning, I always really enjoy the... And now that we know, you know, in that moment that we know that there are two of them, it then makes sense because there is that direct switch every time that you stop playing along and it's like, okay, when did this go from one boy to the other? Like how, you know, there's mm-hmm. all those moments of you're, I'm actually enjoying the cat and mouse aspect of the killer playing with the victim. Um, and, and, you know, also that idea of, the story of Sydney's mom there too. And also Gail Weathers is a great, is that her last name? Weathers? What? She, yeah. And it, yeah. My, she's yeah, my favorite yeah. character in the entire franchise. Also, cause everybody never talks about Courtney Cox being their first, their favorite friends actor, because Monica is massively pretty much unlikable for a lot of people, but like with this, and then, <laughs> see, I don't mind her. I mean, I don't love friends as much as I, you know, did when it was originally on just cause of time. But like when I see her in things like this and see her in other projects, like I just uh, rewatched masters of the universe for another thing. Uh, and I was just like, she is always really fun to watch on screen. Cause you kind of know exactly what you're going to get, but like the scenes with her, running behind Dewey in the red scoochy dress in the trench coat that is just a short and the red heels is just everything. And her, like her, uh, like the, uh, uh, I didn't forget the safety this time. Asshole was just like, yeah. Yeah. You, you applaud so much of it. I mean, and even Jamie Kennedy in his role is just so, great like it's every and rose mcgowan and the real i mean i understood now i know under i understand why i have so many friends who are terrified of automatic garage doors yes <laughs> yes, yes. That, that got me and that was one death going into it where like while i understand oh. that it happens like that's the one i look back on and i'm like sad about like oh, i wish yeah. she could come back as the best friend for the sequel well yeah. and except that her best friend ends two is one of my favorite scream characters like She's True. just so good. Yes. And, but and the, I honestly thought, well, Rose is too big of a character in the movie to die. Mm-hmm. So when it happened, I was shocked. I was like, oh, she's going to get away. She's going to, and I was like, oh, 
she didn't get away. And yeah, and one thing that I like thought was interesting with like future watches that I noticed as you we were trying to figure out like mm-hmm. which of the killers it was killing at the time mm-hmm. was that the way that they shot it were led to assume and like it logically that it was Billy. Billy, yeah. That killed yeah. her. And I would think like that it would, you know, it would have been Stu being the one that killed her being the boyfriend. Well, and but I think that that's um, they did the crisscross um, murder switch because because um, you think that he did the first kill. Well, well, even when it goes to Nev Sydney at the end, yeah. whenever Stu stabs Billy that we think and Billy dies, quote unquote, on the bed and then Stu's chasing Sydney, he was supposed to catch her at that point. She wasn't supposed to get away. And so Billy had killed Tatum in the garage. Yeah. Stu was supposed to kill Sydney in the bedroom. Crisscross, we switch. I kill yours, you kill mine. Mm-hmm. And I love that it, when you go back and watch it, you see that um, Stu sent her off to her death saying, go get me a beer. Like saying, Billy's yeah. going to be waiting for you. Mm-hmm. I need you to go die now. Mm-hmm. And nobody cared that she was missing for over a half an hour of real time to them. Yeah. And everybody keeps commenting on it, but nobody bothers going to look for her because also like go around the side of the house, go into that room. Cause everyone knows exactly where she went to, but no one bothers to look for her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, cause you also, they, un, you know, I think they intentionally set it up too. So you think it's dewy sometimes as well, just because. Boots. And well, so the boots in the way that like, he like was almost like, creepy with the way he was like we're gonna walk down with gail yeah Mm -hmm. and and you almost are wondering like is he just playing dumb Mm -hmm. or is he really that like he finally snapped from people not taking him seriously Mm -hmm. well because then that's the thing i went oh god is it actually dewey because i was like she's been a piece of shit to him the whole time and i get sibling relationships but (laughs) uh, that's crazy i would you know even mad at her i would never speak to my sibling that way (laughs) Uh, the black boot red herring through the movie is one of my favorites because you see in the bathroom scene where the killer steps off the toilet and then the slowly um, drops the robe goes down and then you also see the sheriff has the same boots Mm -hmm. you see dewey has the same boots and so then you in your mind because at that point it's a three beat which is what usually takes for someone to pay attention in a movie Mm -hmm. and then you start looking for other black boots in the movie yep yeah it's so so i'm gonna hand it over to you guys what are some of your things about this movie that just make it so rewatchable so revisitable and why it's one of your favorites well i would say that it's probably just how like self-aware and meta it is in the way that they approach horror while keeping it scary the first time like you know you'll never forget like how terrified you were the first time even when you rewatch a movie and this one is one that you can still find yourself holding your breath in anticipation dozens of times into watching it but then just being so like being that we we love horror so much 
and how self-aware it is while also being respectful of it and the number of easter eggs that you get like in the beginning when they mentioned going to the mckenzie's as a nod to halloween mm-hmm. and then you know later on when they have the janitor fred wearing the the red and green sh- sweater mm-hmm. west craven yep yeah that was west craven who was there but like who was the janitor yeah but yeah the, like the number of nods that they do both like out loud as well as silently is just so makes it so much fun when you rewatch it, trying to find them all. And I love um, a lot of the lines, like the the one that stuck with my friends and I in college was whenever um, Stu's just being too graphic and Billy's like, it's called tact you fuck rag. (laughs) (laughs) And that's still just one of my favorite lines because one of our friends, um, he doesn't know what subtlety is. And so um, I'm always like, Ronnie, it's calm, talk to you, talk to you, fuck rag. And there, like, but there are all of those, like, really quotable um, things. And the, with the nod to old horror, mm-hmm. like, whenever, um, you know, Randy comes in and he's like, Stu's gone mad. Stu's gone mad. He's gone crazy. And Billy goes, we all go a little mad sometimes. And then he attacks him. And, um, you know, and he goes, Anthony Perkins, psycho. And, you know, it's just the, like, the one of the great things about Scream is that while it's moving the genre forward, it never forgets where it came from. Exactly. It's That's so... Also, one of my favorites was, uh, uh, oh, you pussy whipped mama's boy. And oh, and when Sydney's on the phone with him and I was like, oh, yes. Because, I mean, there's also that great moment with, which is so foretelling because recently there was, I think it was one of the girls that killed their friend because of Slenderman. Like they were a vessel for Slenderman. And her response was crying and saying, my mom and dad are going to be so mad at me. And it's like, Girl, this is so much bigger than this. This is an international case now. The world's going to be mad at you. That yes, I, I, your friend. Yeah. 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 I hope your parents are disappointed and mad at you. God, I hope they are. Um, it's beautiful with comments like that. Like how it also brings you back to remember that they are still kids. Like they're mm-hmm. doing fucked up things and murdering each other. Mm-hmm. Yet they still have that mentality of high schoolers in the way that they approach it, where that's your thought when you're about to, you know, go to jail for murder is my mom and dad are going to be so mad at me. And because in their, in his mind, you know, whenever we were going to get away with it, it was fine. Yeah. But now that we're about to get caught, Oh no, it's the consequences of my actions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But what, what 17 year old hasn't said that at least a dozen times. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and what's so interesting that Matthew Lillard does, because there's nothing subtle about his performance in this, while there is a ton of subtlety to it. Um, the look on his face when Billy is saying that Sydney's mom was sleeping with his dad and that's why his mom abandoned them. And it was the first time and it's the response. And it's that, I think it's that moment where his character realizes that, Oh fuck. I'm in danger too. A little like he's, I'm I'm just, I I thought I was along for the ride, but I'm not in control here. Mm -hmm. And, but I also love now that the queer community uses that whole scene where they're like leaning on each other and like 
right at his ear and they're like, oh yeah, they were a couple. Mm-hmm. There, there was some serious hate fucking going on there, whether it was like meant, like meant to be gay or meant to be controlling. Uh, Cause they clearly weren't getting it from the girlfriends. So they were getting it from each other. But you know, it's also, I've always seen that picture and I went, this just feels so dangerously homoerotic in a, like the worst and best kinds of way. And then watching it, it's so confirmed because of the way they look at each other, the whole movie as well, Mm -hmm. because they're constantly watching and checking in and checking on each other. Um, Cause it is also clear to me that at some point, Billy is going to actually kill him. And then Billy is going to be the victim at the end of it. Billy, the lone survivor who then can continue going on being, completely deranged because it's also all of that fun pseudo psychology of the 90s is like coming out of satanic panic but going into like this pre-mental health awareness time of being like um you know severe trauma literally leads to deviant behavior and it's just like oh god it's all here it is literally all here and the I can't wait for you to be caught up on the series because there's so many things I want to say right now. Um, You were talking also, um, babe, you were talking about how, you know, hold your breath at scenes. Mm -hmm. There still is a chase scene in the second movie that to this day, 20 some years later, I still am like, (gasps) and you'll see it, Maddie, whenever you get to it. But like, it's still tense knowing how it ends up like scream is the one that like defined this new genre. Mm -hmm. And this is blasphemous to a lot of people. And you'll probably get comments. I think scream two is a better overall movie. I am always loving any time that like you cut. Cause like I'm someone that I will always say sister act two is the better movie of the two. Shrek two is the better movie of the two gremlins. Two is the better movie of the two. Like I am always here to stand and talk about how a sequel can learn and should learn from its original and in many ways should be better than the original. Like you need to prove why you've requested more money to make this other movie. And I think that's what we get here. And it like, it takes nothing away from the first one. It builds. And I just believe it's better. You can't ignore the iconic status of the first Two is the one that I will like if somebody says, which one do you want to rewatch? I will always pick two. The five, though, is up for me now. Five, The new one. Yeah, yeah. I've heard it so good. I'm so excited to get there. But just looking at the cast of two, adding Sarah Michelle Gellar and Jada Pinkett Smith, like I will do anything for Jada in a movie. So like I I am there. I can't wait. So good. And two, like Jada, her like. We, we we when we covered two on the podcast, we talked a lot about Jada's performance, and Jada is another undervalued actress. Mm-hmm. Did you ever see um, the Batman TV series Gotham? Oh yeah, as her as Fish's Mooney. Mooney. Uh huh. Oh. Yeah, like she it, for her to get to chew the scenery there mm-hmm. is just 
so, so good. Well, I love her all the way back to different world when she was literally 16 and 17 and like holding her own versus Jasmine guy on screen, like, which is so good right there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, so she's just, it's always funny to me that as the couple will has been the more famous actor, but every time Jada is in something, it is a top notch performance and I will go to a property because she is in it. She's why I watch Gotham. I mean, other than also, uh, I, I will see anything Batman, even if it looks terrible, because like the Schumacher films are some of my favorite bad movies. So like, you know, it's it's just one of those things that like, so when they announced that she was in Gotham, I was like, done, I'm there. I have to be there. And, yeah. you know, she delivers. She absolutely delivers. Uh, what are some other things for you guys that just kind of stand out as just iconic and wonderful about this movie? The Gale stuff um, mm-hmm. in general is always so good for me. Going from... The whole, um, when does your book come out? Soon. Great. I'll send you a copy. Boom. Punch. Punch. So good. Boom. Sid, uber bitch. Yeah, like, Mm -hmm. it's so, so good. And, but you can also see in the, before we get there, how serious she takes her job. And she's not doing it to be cruel whenever they're having a conversation where, you know, you said that I lied all the time and Gail's like, well, I do think you misconstrued things. And, um, you know, well, he left wearing my, her, that jacket. No, someone left wearing that jacket. Like she was, she may not have been appropriate to go after a high schooler, but she also, I don't think was overstepping her journalistic bounds at that Mm -hmm. point. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) her flirting with Dewey is some a plus stuff. Oh yeah. The way, and the way it starts off where it's more for business and forgetting the story, but Uh as it continues on, she Mm -hmm. gets softer and it gets Mm -hmm. more sincere and it just builds to that, you know, kiss at the end. It just, their relationship is another thing I really enjoy, but seeing develop over the course of the movie. Yeah. yeah. I also love that they lean into letting David Arquette's character, like having Dewey go, it's my boyishly good looks. And I was like, okay, good. I'm glad we're acknowledging a world where like, how, how is he not handsome to people? Like, that's what's shocking to me is when people are treating him like a puppy. And I was like, are we not acting like he's absolutely adorable? Everyone like I'm confused here, but a design thing that they did and it's in Lee Schreiber's single moment on screen as the, the supposed killer of Sydney's mother looking over his shoulder. It dawns on me at the end of the movie, he and Billy have the exact same haircut in the exact same color. So it's, it's one of those things that was like, of course it was someone who you thought was him, but it was your boyfriend. With the same hair. Uh, and then seeing that Lee Schreiber is in the second one makes me I'm honestly, whenever we get off, whenever we stop recording, I'm just gonna sit down and watch the second one and text you all immediately as soon as I watch it. Please, please do, because I I can't wait to hear your responses to so many things. Like the opening kill. The opening kill or Sydney's um friend Hallie. Um and I, I like I also have a theory of where the second one takes place because um, they never give the college. So they mm-hmm. never they, they get they say it's Windsor College, but they never say where. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sydney gets a call from a five one three area code number 
which is Cincinnati, Ohio. And mm -hmm. um, when she repeats the number back, she just says 555. If mm -hmm. it was an out of area call, she would have started with the area code. So it makes me believe that it was a local number, which that uh, Windsor College is in Cincinnati. And I used to live there. So like, I'm like, yeah, we, we get to claim number two. Well, I mean, the wiki does say Windsor College in Ohio. So, I mean, I don't know anyone can update the wiki, but you know, so, I mean, I believe there are killers in Ohio. I mean, we've all been to Ohio. I absolutely would believe. Oh, I know yeah. at least one killer who used to live in Ohio. They never found the bodies. <gasps> and like Gail's, journey in this movie was good gail's journey in number two great is so much better and because i don't i don't think they even realized what they had mm -hmm. the character of gail in the first one mm -hmm. until it was pretty much done mm -hmm. because everybody like this was definitely sydney's movie yeah the second one it's definitely let's talk about the trio is yeah. the type of thing mm -hmm. And it's really like, I have so much affection for this movie, mm -hmm. for the writing, for the cinematography, for the directing, mm -hmm. for the choices that they made, mm -hmm. the willingness to push the envelope where we hadn't seen it before, because back to Drew's opening kill, like that was bloody mm -hmm. and it was intense and you know watching it back when her mother's on the phone and she can just hear her daughter dying mm -hmm. and then sees her hung from the swing in the tree out front like they tell you right up front we're not pulling any punches mm -hmm. and another and great and they don't and another great artistic choice is we as an audience over the course of horror movies had gotten used to scary things happen at night in the dark. Mm -hmm. If the movie is during the day, you're pretty much safe. Mm -hmm. And for us to have um, Ghostface pop mm -hmm. up in the day, like even the scene where Sid and Tatum are on Tatum's front porch and we see Ghostface in the bushes, you're like, yep. you're not safe at any point in time. So mm -hmm. it makes the audience go, I, there's not a moment I can let my guard down. Also, the musical score pulling inspiration from the iconic horror scores before it. Because, like, when we talk about Halloween, one of the things we talk about is the iconic score. And so this literally, uh, you know, doing reading, the score itself has its own cult following. Is like setting up this really wonderful kind of iconic feel. Because even moments that don't feel like they should be scary, it elevates so much because there is this kind of constant danger and the audience kind of gets put in that headspace that Sydney is in so much. And so it is, it's so, the score is so good. Um, it just kind of every step of the way you can tell care was taken for every choice that was made, which is so important. And then to also have someone who is as prolific as Wes Craven take this at the helm, you can really, the best parody comes from people who understand the genre that they're parodying in a way. Mm -hmm. And uh, Red Right Hand being the unofficial theme song to the whole yeah. series. Yeah. And it, it becomes a thing that I actually heard it in a non-scream setting. And you have the visceral, oh, scream whenever yeah. you hear it. And I love that that song that I had never heard before this movie 
Um, and then you hear in yeah. other screams that now is forever attached to this. Yeah. Now, something that, you know, it, anytime you read anything about Scream and talking about how they've moved the franchise further and continue to kind of riff and parody on the genre as it's gone, uh, as people who like love horror are horror aficionados, what are some things that you see movies that are inspired by this that are trying to do that get wrong that Scream maybe continues to get right or does right in a way that nobody else is kind of seeming to kind of latch into? So right after this, we had I Know What You Did Last Summer. Yes. And um, the thing that Scream does really well is they make you care about the characters, no matter how small they are. By the time Principal Hembry dies, I didn't want him to die. Yeah. Because we saw him stand up to the bullies for Sid. And we also saw at the beginning the care that he was showing when Sydney had to be interviewed and him speaking over the loudspeaker, like it's a few scenes, but you care in a minor role. Um, I know what you did last summer did a very good job of also making you care because I don't know anybody that didn't want Helen shivers to survive that chase scene. And I know what you did last summer and the, it's the care about the characters that this movie gets right where Rob Zombie's Halloween reboot that he did got wrong because his characters are unlikable. And I just didn't care by the time Michael was slaughtering people. I was thinking, fine, they're awful. Just do it. Mm -hmm. And this and actually every version of scream gets that right of we're going to make you care about these people so that when someone dies it actually means something yeah and even comparing those two movies like i know what you did last summer versus scream that i feel like scream continues to do well as and some movies get it but not all of them is just being able to rewatch it and see in advance like that you know the secret of who the killer is mm -hmm. and that it all makes sense while also having them on screen so much between the two of them, they're in almost like every single scene one of them is. And then you, you know, see how it all works out and it makes sense. Like I know what you did last summer, the difference for that is that once you know who it is, it doesn't matter because it's not someone you knew until he was done. Right. But being able to like that, that, you know, not rewatchability also as I think what makes it so much different than so many horror movies that once you know who the killer is, like it doesn't matter or that you know who the killer is from the start and it doesn't matter like this one you can keep going back to and it seeing another layer you're absolutely right with especially when you're watching and um re-watching for like a critical eye and you're trying to see you know did they give this character enough time off screen <laughs> to have done the kill that they needed to kill and as you're watching this and any other things, you're like, okay, who, because that's one of our things is we're watching is like, okay, who did that kill? And like, sometimes it's easy to figure out yeah. who it is like Stu in the bedroom because Billy was right there in front of them. Mm -hmm. But in some of the others, like in the Drew Barrymore opening, we believe Billy was on the phone taunting and Stu was the one 
doing the killing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I don't see Stu having that suaveness on the phone of that opening scene with like mm-hmm. just the ghost face asking like, "What's your favorite scary movie?" Or yeah, you know, if you hang up on me one more time, I'm gonna, gonna gut you like, like a, a fish. fish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And you'll see it like when you watch it again, you're gonna start playing that game too. Is Okay, which one was it? And it all adds up. And it does, it does every time. Like, it all adds up. They didn't cheap out in any way. Um, it, it th- This was a lot of care was put into this film. to, And it has, as you can see, it stands the test of time. Mm-hmm. We are over 20 years later. And you're hard-pressed to find somebody that will try to tear the movie apart. Like mm-hmm. it's universally beloved. Something that has really kind of stuck with me as I'm like sprinkling in these kind of icons through as I'm kind of, cause really once the 2000s started, we had kind of an onslaught of constant horror gore things, whether they were like mass release, small release. And, you know, every few years we would get, you know, once kind of saw started, but I remember house of wax being super iconic at the time, even though you watch it now and it's like, Oh shit. Um, Or, you know, hostile human centipede as we're going through. Um, But a lot of what I'm finding about horror, it's not necessarily rewatchable because the creators don't do a good job of setting up things to they're very cut and paste so you know you once something has been divulged you you know there's not other things hidden that you could have seen along the way and what i am enjoying about things that are being considered the classics is they are rewatchable and i find myself wanting to rewatch them but also they're the ones that have a balance between the horror like the thrill aspect and the gore aspect that make horror as a genre so like the things that are like saw, I found myself not being bothered by them per- particularly too much because you see the like horror porn coming, you see the grotesque thing that's going to happen and you can kind of move on where in these, the gore is a kind of a disgusting payoff because of the chase to the kill. And then it's almost something that you're like, Oh no, they're not going to show it. Cause like we even talked about with the original Halloween, we don't see the blood except once. And you know, it's one of those things that some of those, so in this, they take it that next step further because the ratings that, you know, the sensor bureau was a little lighter that it was one of those moments of, Oh God, it's so horrific but then it's going to get even more horrific to push the audience through it. And it kind of increases that endorphin, increases that addiction to, oh God, I don't want somebody else to die, but how is it going to happen? And so, you know, I get excited when you talk about anything that has a rewatchable thing, because now I'm so excited to go back, find those Easter eggs, find those little things. That's why I see Marvel movies on a Friday or the Thursday of the release. And then I see it again on the Tuesday of the release to catch those, uh, you know, catch those extra things. Um, uh, And, you know, it's, Something now that I've seen this that, you know, with the few exceptions, I don't think a lot of modern horror has captured in the same way. Or you've got the companies like the Bloom Houses that are like just pushing out constant horror that it doesn't always kind of take the finesse and the care. And they also horror in a lot of ways I'm seeing they're afraid to make fun of each other and take the piss out of each other where like 
the ridiculousness of it is also kind of what leads to the terror. And so leaning into that, I think, is what kind of also makes Scream so special. And one of the things, like, so when Bloomhouse first came out, they were not top-notch quality, but it's almost like they had to pay their dues by making some popcorn flicks, mm-hmm. and now we're getting, like, the Halloween trilogy mm-hmm. that is, you know, it's good quality horror, and Bloomhouse is finally, instead of making movies to make money, they're making movies that they want to make. And I think they're also doing a really good job of choosing which streaming services it goes to. I mean, not only yes. does that help, I'm sure them financially with bidding and things like that, but like the, the Hulu series was like perfect for, for Hulu where they had a horror movie around each month. Oh, yeah. I know. Loved. Into darkness. They know when a movie should just be pushed to shutter. No offense to shutter, but like yeah. you know, right. they, they, you know, they know when it's worth doing Netflix without constantly being on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Like, and they're recent, the black phone. Yeah. And they know when to push it out to theaters. Like they, they do a good job of being strategic about where they release their content. Also how they partner with, uh, um, Jordan Peele, but not every Jordan Peele movie is released with them, but they know when to partner with him because, you know, great things. And, you know, it's one of those things. It's like, uh, this will come out as horror nights is happening. You know, we've got a double header, Bloomhouse house this year uh and black phone was absolutely terrifying it was absolutely guttural yeah. uh i dreamt the uh the 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 character for weeks after because it absolutely scared me and then i went back to watch freaky and it's one of those that it's it's dumb and it's funny but it is also terrifying oh and that one was so well done and as we were watching it because we didn't see it in the theater we mm-hmm. streamed it and i was like you know, this really should have just been called Freaky Friday the 13th. And because, you know, it's Freaky Friday uh-huh. and, Friday, and the th- Friday the 13th. And it turns out that was the original title of the movie. And uh, like, there's, ser- and I love that they're able to be like, you know, we're going to do serious horror like the Black Phone and we're going to do some fun horror mm-hmm. like Freaky, which is like those performances were really good. One of the things I love about Scream is that it keeps it comes back at the right time to mm-hmm. reintroduce slasher into our genre because after Scream 3 was done and we went over a decade without a new one, torture porn um, mm-hmm. became the thing of the day between the Final Destination movies, the Saw movies, and the I Hostel don't consider movies. The Final Destination one part of that i mean if you i was thinking about earlier when you were talking about like your love for the lead up to the kill yeah and how that like that's what the final final destination movies are all yeah that's the whole final destiny yeah absolutely the more successful of the final destinations were the ones you cared about the characters Mm -hmm. and the thing with the saw movies like the second saw movie where you had that whole group of people in the house Mm -hmm. trying to find their way out they built with those characters it wasn't okay, here's a trap for one person. Here's a trap mm-hmm. for a second person where you don't care. The second one was done really well. And then one of the later ones where everyone was um, like, the whole theme was you should have worked together and you could have all made it. Like, I think one, that was, I think that was five. I think so. Julie, Julie Benz from Buffy was in yeah. that. Yeah, that was five. Yeah, it was one of the few ones that I actually went to see in theaters. And I went, oh, fuck, that's crazy. <laughs> and so that one was another one that was done really well. And then 
from there, we also started into the supernatural mm -hmm. um, scares between um, like the conjuring, the conjuring which I love, um, but then you also had the paranormal activities mm -hmm. and you had all of those things where the villain quote unquote was going to be a supernatural um, thing. And um, then, you know, Scream comes along again with four and you're like, oh, okay, we're going to get a, mm -hmm. a few more um, slasher things. And, but I think that us getting this brand new trilogy of five, six, and seven, that it's going to reinvigorate Slashes. because it's been enough time that mm -hmm. it really is a brand new generation. And yeah. you're finding a lot of people that didn't grow up with the first scream or haven't seen it <clears throat> till recently. Uh, <laughs> listen, listen, we've all got our, we've all got our problems. This was mine. I know I'm a bad gay. I know. <laughs> but now like it's like, it's here again. And like, I thank scream for bringing slashers back because as horror is my favorite genre, slasher is my favorite subgenre in horror. I love the mystery about it. Mm -hmm. Like, because sometimes like Halloween, like we know who the killer is, but a slasher where you're not sure. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that ghost face can be anybody every time he comes back. Also, also there's that juxtaposition of just seeing the Michael Myers mask or the Freddy or the Jason mask or Freddy's appearance is really disarming. But the idea of, ghost face it's it's whimsical and cheap and terrible but like is doing arguably some of the worst body horror and the most calculated uh, evil things and so with this funny kind of play mask that it's just oh uh, it's 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 one of the most exhilarating parts of this for me oh yeah and mm -hmm. you're you hit that like it can be anyone at any time and it, even the line that they um, said in the police station, you know, this is um, a cheap costume that can be bought at any five and dime in the state. Mm -hmm. And so it could be anyone anywhere. And because I believe it's Gail who shows the mask on camera for the first mm -hmm. time. Everyone knows. Everyone from then on out mm -hmm. knows exactly what the killer should look yeah. like. And we know if anybody loves anything, it's a copycat. Law and Order had said Law and Order SVU had like three different copycats of BTK. So like, you know, it's, it's, it, you know, it's, well, we've also seen it through so many true prolific true crime, true crime cases from the sixties mm -hmm. onward, but everybody loves a, everybody loves a, a copycat. Well, what are some things that if someone hasn't been convinced yet to go as soon as they're done with this, what are, what is just your words of inspiration to have someone pause this right now, go over to Paramount plus where they can watch all of the screen franchise until the end of the until month. the end. Oh yeah. So I guess by the time this comes out, that won't be the case, but it will be October when this comes out. So I'm sure it will be somewhere. It'll I'm be sure somewhere. it will. It'll be somewhere. You'll be able to find it. Yeah. What are, What is just that inspiration for someone to go kind of invest into this as a new franchise for them? So, Scream is a smart franchise. It doesn't talk down to its audience. 
it um the dialogue isn't dumb like you don't other than dewey being naive you don't assume that any of these people like are ignorant at all like these are people that you would think are normal everyday people like it's a little heightened but these are people that you can root for and then you're going to find your favorite lines because it's infinitely quotable and you're going to want to talk about that Drew Barrymore scene over and over again and like now you're going to be able to say what's your favorite scary movie mm -hmm. like that is now pop like that is part of pop culture like when you're having a conversation with someone and you want to talk about horror movies people will say what's your favorite scary movie Mm -hmm. And, you know, some people quote from the second one, showgirls, absolutely terrifying. Bless. Like, it, the movie is just so well done. And you'll thank whoever finally got you to watch it for watching it. Because you're going to love it. And if you haven't watched it yet, we hope it's us. Yeah. Oh, it's clearly going to be you two, clearly. Because what I'm hoping is they'll listen to this, they'll go watch the movies, then they'll go listen to your podcast where you recap the movies as well and yep. just get in as much as they can. <laughs> yeah, and we have done one through four, like Steve said. So. And by October, we'll have done five, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure we're going to add five in for our horror because we do all horror for the month of October. Just Brilliant. You should. Yes. And um that's what the month is for I, it's true obviously. oh i'm starting in september this year i'm just saying fuck it we're starting with the vampires in september and moving through october and we're just celebrating spooky time so <laughs> wait speaking of vampires as part of our camp month we're doing the original buffy movie Oh. oh, I just, uh, over on my network we did in May, we did a, just a, tw we did a quick anniversary thing where we, where we did the movie, we did the show, and then we did the kind of extended universe, just as love, because I fucking love Buffy, so I just. My favorite show of all time. And that yeah. movie is honestly not as bad as people say it is. It no. is not. And it's just not Buffy. No. Yeah, not exactly. And no. Because, you know. Could you imagine if Sarah Michelle, every time a vampire had come around, she had cramps? Like, girl. Listen, there were a lot of those Donald Sutherland, early Joss Whedon things that I just go, absolutely not. Thank God they did not hit the wall and stick for the show. Thank God. Yeah, like Paul Rubin's performance, though. Oh, camp you want uh, yo on camp yeah. you want the most iconic death always uh sam who is our our guest for that she literally was like okay and again we are talking about the most iconic death of all time the longest oh. most you know most ham bone chewing of the literal scenery uh also another great david arquette performance too just oh. yeah like what are you doing outside my window like and uh, and whenever um, I saw Paul, like, goodness, it's probably been about five or six years. I said, I know everyone wants to talk to you about Pee Wee, but can I talk to you about how good your death in Buffy was? <laughs> and I said, not that I'm discounting Pee Wee because I grew up at Pee Wee's Playhouse. Of course. Mm -hmm. um, but also somebody that's very down to earth and just lovely. 
Oh, I can imagine. I just, I also love that he and Cassandra Peterson are the best of friends. I just, I need them to do a movie together already. And it doesn't have to be as Pee Wee and Elvira. I just want a movie of the two of them together. Uh, Exactly. And (laughs) after Cassandra's book came out, I texted Mm -hmm. him and I was like, I was kind of trying to subtly say, can I get an introduction to Cassandra? It didn't work, but I was trying to like, just push it that way. Uh Um, But for um, Pee Wee, Paul Rubens fans, he's doing um, a memoir book like Cassandra did. And if you, Uh have you read um, yours cruelly? I, it just showed up on my doorstep because I am prepping a, like a case for why the Elvira movie is actually genius and wonderful, but I'm also kind of talking about her life and how incredible she is. And she's the true message of perseverance in Hollywood. So it just showed up because I'd ordered it and then it was backward. It was a mess. And that's why I should have just gone to my Barnes and Nobles and bought it and not bought it from Amazon. But yeah, it just showed up today. I'm so excited to get like get into it. Elvira is one of my favorite movies of all time. And it she is so a sex positive, mm-hmm. but she's also never gonna be a bully. And like, you can learn so many good life lessons from Elvira Mm -hmm. and this, wait till you read this book. I mean, my God, it is. I'm so excited. It's so good. So I can't wait to hear your Elvira episode. Like that was one of the ones we did back in the day too, because I introduced Steve to the Elvira movie and because that was more. Yeah. And that was, that was a fun one to do that. I wasn't expecting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And because it's camp and. I found besides horror, camp might be my second favorite genre. Of course. I literally, I have a camp podcast brewing with a friend of mine because we just, <laughs> all we talk about is camp properties. And I was like, there are no like gay camp podcasts out there that just focus on camp and how important of a genre it is and how it's literally defined and kept gay people going for, you know, 70 years plus. So plus camp goes much further back than film, but you know, it's, it's just so, and I love someone that even before everyone knew she was queer, like talk about an ally. Oh, it's Cassandra Peterson. And also like gay icons. Again, I know the meme goes around every once in a while, but I also want the movie where she and Dolly Parton play sisters. Like so badly. So badly. Yes. And it has to be like, where Elvira, like, even if, I mean, I would love for it to be Elvira. Yeah. And where Dolly's like the good witch and, you know, they're separated because they went different paths, but they come together because of some thing from their past that they have mm-hmm. to like a great uncle or something like that, that they have to come together to like save the world. I think it would be amazing. And I also would love it if somehow there, cause there has to be a musical scene, but like Dolly's witch does her magic with music or some sort of thing, just cause you can't have something in Dolly, not sing something. She's played an angel so many times. Let's have her be a witch. It's fine. And Cassandra can sing too. Absolutely. She, I mean, she started off in the Vegas showgirl system. So like, I mean, she is a performer. She can't sing. I mean, she did the Elvira universal show at horror nights for, or yeah. Knott's Berry, or Knott's was it Knott's Berry? Knott's Berry. It was, Berry. Yeah, it was the Knott's eons. And I was like, I wished I'd known that, but I also don't think I could have appreciated it when it was running. Cause uh, you know, but mm-hmm. like, it's just one of those things that I think, 
we have so many people who are now discovering her as kind of an icon and a legend. I, I need her to come back to drag race again. Cause it's been yes. since season four, like too long. Well, I also need her to go do Dragula as well. Like just, but like yes. come back to drag race bit and do another horror. Like one, we need another horror acting challenge. Cause that show is scary enough. So like talk camp, bad scripts. Yeah. as drag race. Um, but just have her come back. I mean, I also thought she would always be an incredible snatch game judge because she's oh. so funny. Honestly, I keep saying, because last year we had Miss Piggy on All Stars, which I said Piggy would be the ultimate judge and she was perfection. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, you need Paul Rubens and Cassandra Peterson as the guests on snatch game and then as your judges because what paul rubens does is drag it's just a different kind of drag but what paul rubens does is drag peewee is drag yeah any of those type of um character uh theater groups like Mm -hmm. that where like i mean even if you look at snl like Mm -hmm. a lot of them are doing drag it's just because they're doing the same character makeup wig hair it's mm-hmm. happening mm-hmm. And, uh, i could talk about Elvira and cassandra peterson forever though <laughs> well it's i mean think about even i don't know if you all remember from the logo days the big gay sketch show oh. uh, with <laughs> when kate mckinnon when everybody finally learned who she was yeah and i was like oh i've i've been to new like <laughs> her and johnny mcgovern like but like the fact that fitzwilliam has never come back in her life but is argue like rivals steward from mad tv like it is i love fitzwilliam especially when fitzwilliam went to hogwarts hogwarts i just went to magical vagina daddy it's so so i mean just so good i mean and and i oh erica ash as the chicago style yoga instructor like stephen guarino coleman domingo like I just, I wish more people knew about Big Gay Sketch Show because of Kate on SNL now that she's leaving because she is an iconic star, which she has Mm -hmm. always been, you know, but it's just those things of like, could it get revived or could they like, I don't know, release them? Because I I still own them on Apple, on iTunes from when I bought them 12 years ago. Um, But, you know. Like whenever they would do the... um missed connections or man oh, for man uh, as read by Maya Angelou. Maya Angelou. <laughs> Cause also bring it back. Could you imagine someone like Bob, the drag queen or Monet exchange being put in that cat? Like, uh, yeah. Like I immediately thought of Bob for that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. I mean, that's the thing is like, there are all these things that like world of wonder should go back through that. Like, canon because also we had things like jeffrey and cole casserole by uh uh, um cola scola who is just genius there was just so much on on logo that wasn't terrible but no one was watching it because it was a logo i mean you even had the sorted live series from del shores like it's just i love the sort of live series i mean that's where we got to have rue mcclanahan and the late great um olivia newton John. -John. Uh, mm mm-hmm Oh, I mean, and also Leslie Jordan as an icon. Shooter Wardell, shooter in the head. Just, <laughs> uh, oh, it's, uh, you know, there are all these things that I get, you know, for all, for all the queer things that the straights have appropriated, there are the, some of the things that I was like, how are y'all still missing this? Y'all love Leslie Jordan. Go out and watch it. 
Yeah. It's free online. Go watch it. Hulu's got it up. Go watch it, please. It's so good. Uh, but thank you both for coming back on the show with me. It has been a gay old time and I just, it just fills my soul with joy. We've made difficult decisions. And there are still more ahead of us. Two people aren't enough to save the galaxy. We need the toughest. Smartest. Deadliest allies. We need you. We need you to join us. And listen to Reignite. A certain point of view podcast about storytelling. Love. And Mass Effect. Join us every other Thursday as we fight for the fate of an entire galaxy. You can find us everywhere you get your podcasts. Or at certainpov.com slash reignite. We're counting on you. We should go. Saturday Morning Confidential is brought to you by Dreamer Productions and is a proud member of the Certain POV Podcast Network. You can find us on Facebook at Saturday Morning Confidential, on Instagram at SMC Pod, and on Twitter at The SMC Podcast. You can find all the shows that Certain POV has to offer at CertainPOV.com or also on Patreon at Dreamer Productions, where your donation of only $2 a month keeps constant programming coming in and supporting our new shows as we go throughout 2022. Now join us again next time for another deep dive into the files of Saturday Morning Confidential. CPOV. CertainPOV.com.